The Chiefs have dropped four of their last six games and said eight and five on the year, with four of those losses coming by one possession, including last night's frustrating 20 to 17 loss to the Buffalo Bills on the comeback that fell short. And there's plenty of things uh, to talk about with that game, plenty of things said after that game. We've got our thoughts and plenty to talk about as we go through our 10 observations right after this. You are listening to KC Sports Network. Proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of 10 Things. What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? I am BJ Kissel. This is Haley Lewis. We're going live with our 10 Things and 10 Observations because we kind of feel like we're not the only ones that need to talk through this a little bit. Some people will ignore uh, and just stay away from it. Uh, and I respect that. And some people just need to kind of talk through it a little bit. Uh, but Haley, uh, the game wasn't a lot of fun, but how are you doing today? I, you know, this morning I checked in with Twitter to make sure the people, the people were okay. I also probably should have checked in with myself to make sure I was okay. Uh, we both went, went to go, went to the game, had a lot of fun. And I really thought, I really thought they're going to come back. This one's going to be done. You see the pageantry at the end of it. You see the flag. I kept screaming, there's a flag, there's a flag, there's a flag. No way. No way. It's on a defense. And here we are. I am. I had a cookie for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I think every- <laughs> <It's> so sad. <laughs> and I, I think everybody knows where we're going to start with this one. And it's the topic uh, again uh, with yep. the referees and the play and all of that. But before we get into it, we do have to thank our sponsor of the show, Admission Taco Joint. Because uh, I know what makes me feel better. Tacos, tacos always make you feel better. Feel the heart. Uh, can't have them this quite this early in the morning. Although you had a cookie, so I guess I could have a taco. <laughs> um, but uh, Mission Taco Joint does have three locations now in Kansas City, uh, with the one in South Plaza, Crossroads, and the new one out in Park Place out in Leewood. Uh, and you can get 10% off your order uh, on every Tuesday by simply mentioning KCSN when you're there. And not only the sponsor of this show, heard us talk about this. We appreciate Mission Taco Joint for partnering with the KCSN Foundation and our Feed It Forward program that is partnership with Hope Faith Ministries, the homeless shelter downtown, providing meals and tacos once a month uh, to go down there. Last month, I was actually able to go, able to go with my son. Uh, he didn't have school that day, and uh, it was pretty special to go down and, and be a part of that. So we appreciate Mission Taco Joint, not just for making great food, but for being phenomenal people as well. So, all right, let's get this started. Get us into it. All right, the first one, obviously, we're going to talk about the Kadarius Tony play, and uh, it's a very divisive <laughs> topic uh right now in chief's kingdom and i think nobody's not frustrated about it uh my two cents and my thoughts on this are you know he did line up offsides i don't think that's a question like anybody's arguing that that's all over the place uh to be all kinds of takes especially with what's been said uh to the media uh by the the coaches and the players but you know the thing for me that's interesting about all of this and is the only thing i am that's kind of outstanding for me that i want to know and the context is so I was watching the the Sunday night football game last night at halftime. Terry McCoy came on, former ref, uh, does media stuff now, came on and said that offensive offsides was going to be a focus for them this year. Yeah. And he said that 11 penalties have been called on offensive offsides this year as opposed to just two last year with a few weeks left to go. Now, Haley, you and I both know from being around that when they have focuses like this generally, and we're not, I wasn't there, so yeah. I don't know, but generally, when the referees come in during training camp and they do their presentations that this is what the focus is, it's, it's not a discussed. surprise. It's yeah. discussed. It's not a surprise that this is going to be a focus for them going forward. 
Now, if you want to put your tinfoil hat on, all that said, <laughs> the interesting part for me, in addition, is the fact that two different CBS employees, including Tracy Wolfson, who was on the crew, I believe, uh, last night we were both at the game. So kind of makes it hard. This is one of those games where a broadcast would have been great for some context. Or just having my ear so I could like understand. Yeah. Yeah. But both of them tweeted out that Kadarius Tony checked with the officials yes. he lined up. Now... The broadcast view, the all 22, there's all kinds of reports last night saying that the broadcast view is, is clipped at the same time, the all 22. So you won't get to see him lining up the whole time because you've got the clip of him lining up and looking at the ball. You don't know what he was doing before that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's not about whether there should be a warning or warnings given if somebody's lined up. And the warning is not when you look over and point. The warning is when somebody lines up offsides, come back after the play, like if you do that again, right. we're going to call it. Going back to high school football, college football, the the receivers look over and point and the ref can judge them. That's not the warning part of this. That's what I want to know is did Tony look over and get clarification on whether he was lined up on or off sides? Now, if he did and it was a mistake or the ref didn't see it mm -hmm. and then still threw the flag, it's not the reason that they lost. No. But it definitely changes this entire conversation of him lining up off sides. Yes, he should have been on sides. I understand the frustration and everything afterwards, but it robbed us of an all-time great play. If that play had stood and had enough, it would have been one of the most historic endings or close to endings, game-winning type play if they had closed it out uh, that we ever would have seen. So for me at this point, it's not about whether he's lining up offsides. He was offsides. It was pretty bad. Uh, it wasn't ticky-tack at that point. Like, he was across the line. I'm not, no one's debating that. For me, it's just, did he check with the line judge or the side judge or whatever, um, before the play to see if he was okay. And if he yeah. did and it was still called, that's where it's like, okay, now there's a real beef here. Do you believe in conspiracy theories? <laughs> I don't think the NFL <laughs> is scripted. Um, but I definitely believe in, and I'm yeah. not saying this is the case here, but everybody out there is human. And if these refs absolutely. are getting absolutely ripped apart and Carl Schaeffer says, I said that afterwards. Yeah, there's a history uh, with Carl Schaeffer. So like, do I think that <laughs> part of that is real? Yeah, but do I think it's going to affect their professional judgment? I would really hope not, or it's a much bigger issue yeah. than anything that we're talking about with this one game, this one play. Uh, it just, it, yeah. I agree with you. He was offsides, but I did tweet out this morning, good morning to everyone, except for Carl Schiff. <laughs> <laughs> but here's here's my point on this. So we were digging through some stats, and then this was one that went around. Uh, it was on Sports Center last night. So they tweeted out this graphic, and it's Andy Reid as a head coach. As a head coach in his coaching career in the NFL, he has coached 25,172 offensive plays. Only once been called for offensive offsides, which was last night. That context is so important. It, it puts it into perspective. It like, puts into perspective, perspective why know? he was so frustrated and why it's frustrating and annoying to watch the national media get up right. and just kind of stand on their high horse and talk about, oh, they've embarrassed him, Stephen A. Smith, that everybody's doing it. They did it on the, the halftime show talking about, it's embarrassing what they said after. And it's not embarrassing when you look at the context of what happens and the respect that Andy Reid has across the league mm -hmm. in communicating with referees in these kinds of situations. And that not only was it the first time in his coaching career that offensive offsides was called, it happened at the end of a game and a, late in the season when the team has been struggling. There's frustrations that are building up. But it, that context matters to me, especially to the media, which it's kind of like the glass houses. I mean, we're in media, like the glass houses situation of, you know, media gets up there and so they embarrass themselves by mm -hmm. criticizing this. 
those same media people embarrass themselves on a weekly basis by some of the things they say and they don't get called out on it because they right. have to go to the next thing. Which brings to the point, and, and you've also worked in media before, you've also worked for someone else before. So you know, if, if you are someone who tweeted something out and your boss did not like it, that call, that text was so quick to say, pull that down. So I don't really think there's so much shadiness as they're trying to hide something. I see that more of, your boss didn't like the attention that that drawled and it hasn't been figured out quite yet. Take the tweet down. We'll figure it out later. Yeah. I didn't see that as much of a conspiracy. I saw it just more of like, you got the text for your boss. So you got to take it down. Yeah. And I don't think there's going to be any way. And, and if the broadcast, CBS, and it was a CBS game. So like CBS would know if they internally have that shot. And just because they don't doesn't mean that one of the... Hundreds of yeah, photogs. It's, it's got to be the out news there. stations, the 65 TPT, the Chiefs. I don't think the Bills yeah, people will turn it over if they it. saw it. But somebody's going to have that shot. I can't imagine how many people last night were going through all their <laughs> footage. Yeah, has it? It will not turn it over. They sell it to TMZ for uh, yeah. thousands of dollars or something. This but is, uh, I'm sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just uh, yeah, I don't believe there's a conspiracy of them trying to to cover it up. The cover up would be so much worse. Yeah, especially with people with integrity uh, that wouldn't be used in that kind of way i think it's one of those hey you are providing the one ounce of kind of standing that chiefs fans and the chiefs and the coaches and players could kind of stand on of did he check with the side judge and if he did this all changes Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people that are making really big statements right now would have to kind of back it up and it's not about the warning it's not about embarrassing and this and that if he checked with the ref and looked over to the side and wasn't told to back up, and then the flag was thrown. Yeah. It's a much bigger issue. I, I agree. There's also uh, a little stat we got from from good old Tucker. Mm. Brought us from 1995 when Tucker was not... Were you alive? He was minus, not alive. Minus three, he said. I was two. <laughs> I was 12. And, and probably at the game if it was at home. So This is the last time that a Chiefs wide receiver was called for being offsides. That was in 1995. It was week seven against the Pats. It was Willie Davis. Leading wide receiver. Yeah. And Greg Hill was leading rusher. Just throwback names wow. to a lot of... Uh, Time flies. A lot of young Chiefs fans. Time flies when you're not getting... Seth, don't know those guys. But uh, 95, they were good. I think that was number one offense and defense that year uh, in the NFL. You would know. Yeah. It was one of the Colts games. I don't want to talk about it. Um, I've kind of blocked a lot of that stuff out. And uh, I think perspective matters. And it, it maybe be too soon for a lot of people um, to, to talk about it. I talked about it in the open that... The Chiefs have five losses. They're eight and five right now. They still lead the division by a game uh, over Denver, but you know, five, four of those five losses are by one possession. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit more about how close the NFL is just in general right now. But now I want to move on to the second point because yes. um, you know, the one thing is the play and all the conspiracy and all the stuff on social media around it. But the second part of this now is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes going out of care. I mean, what we saw from Patrick Mahomes after the game. Yes, it was about this game, but I think it was about a lot more. I I have never seen Mahomes lose his cool, knowing he's he's someone who is I I don't know the social media or the PR training he's gotten, but it's obviously phenomenal because he is so careful. When there have been very very controversial topics in the past come up, he's so careful about how he talks, how he puts himself on camera. He knows he's on camera the entire time, and that was the reaction. I've never seen that before. Also, out of Andy Reid to speak to actually give an opinion and to speak on the refs. That's something he, and you know this from being in those press rooms, you don't do that. 
I've never heard him do anything like that before. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, and it makes sense when it's called for the first time in his career. Right, uh, right. In that moment, you understand a little bit more about why he feels the way he does. Here's here's what he said on podium right after the game. He said, very disappointed that it ended the way that it did. Normally, I'll get... And I think he stuttered for a second and said, I never use any of this as an excuse, but normally I do get a warning. Something like that happens in a big game. It's a bit embarrassing in the National Football League for that to take place. The fact that he took a stance and said it's embarrassing in the National Football League, I that's 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 that speaks volumes to me about how Andy Reid is viewing the officiating. I would be really surprised, or not surprised, I'd be really interested to know what all the other coaches around the league think. And not from a competitive advantage of what the loss means to the Chiefs, but just other coaches have been in that position. Like how unique is that for that to be called? You know, it's been called 11 times this year, but were there warnings given ahead of time? Are these uh, players being, are they checking with the side? I mean, we know the receivers do. They do that every play. I'd be really surprised if if Tony didn't, but if he didn't, then it's kind of a moot point. They didn't say they have to do warnings if that was warned before the season began that they weren't they were going to make an emphasis on this, uh, and he didn't check on the side like it's a horrible time and you know who <laughs> I thought about this uh, as we were stuck in traffic uh, in the parking lot trying to drive home last night. <laughs> you know how small the judge probably felt when he threw the flag and then saw what happened on the play, knowing that oh god, like it's, uh, all, it's all gonna fall on me right now. Whereas if it had been an incomplete pass, nobody would have thought anything of it. Yeah, you because know? he throws it right when the play is made. But uh, yeah, I, I really just want to get that clip out of whether or not he checked because there are a lot of people making some really big statements uh, about Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes going into yeah. character. I get that it's frustrating. I get that it's really easy to be like, oh, they're complaining, and then I look at a screenshot and he's across the line. It's not that black and white. There's a lot more going on here than just those things. And when you have the stat of the first time in his his career, it's been called. I'd like to know what other NFL coaches uh, think about that. If sure. there wasn't a warning given uh, with all the other stuff given, even Sean McDermott being an Andy Reid guy, yeah, uh, what he would have thought in that situation. Although I'm sure he's happy with the one, especially with the week he had. I don't even, I don't at all feel bad for the Chiefs when I look at what Buffalo's been going through this past week. But let me give you two different quotes. Let me give you podium Mahomes and let me give you immediate reaction Mahomes and then you tell me how you feel about the media taking these quotes. So immediately afterwards, we all saw his reaction, right? Then also it comes out where he met Josh Allen midfield. It's normal. They shake hands. He goes out there and he says to Josh Allen, wild effiness call I've ever seen. Mahomes was heard saying this, of course, right when they're shaking hands. Offensive offsides on that play, man, effing terrible. So he says that, shakes his hand, walks off. Then he gets on the podium. Here's what he says. I played seven years, never had offensive offsides called. That's elementary school. You point to the ref, it doesn't get called. They warn you, and there was no warning throughout the game. They wait until the end of the game to make that call. It's just tough. That's the part where I agree with. I, if I feel like Mahomes, and I'm, I don't know this, but I feel like for him to go off the way that he did makes me feel like Tony told him he checked. And if he checked and he wasn't told to back up and the flag was thrown, that's where, if that's true, yeah, it validates to me what he did. And it right. doesn't even bother, like, I know he's supposed to maintain professionalism and all those things. These guys work their asses off yeah, to do emotions. this. They're emotional, yeah. like, and with everything going on with this team and what Mahomes has been through, uh, just the frustrations, young receiver call, all the stuff that we've talked about all year. Uh, I'm not upset at all about him. I don't think it was embarrassing for him to go out and say how he feels. How many times we've we been critical of guys of 
you know, just show me that you're frustrated. Be honest a little bit. We know that just say how you feel. And then as soon as they do, you criticize them for it. I got the same media that are complaining about them embarrassing themselves and all this will complain about canned answers and cliches and all that crap. And as soon as they're honest about something, you hop all over them and make it a bigger thing. It doesn't bother me at all. I, I don't care. As long as I'm not disrespectful to any people yeah. in this situation and they can be critical of a ref. Uh, and shout out to Matt Derrick for answering. I think for the pool report, yeah. that, that, that was a better pool report like back and forth than you generally Yeah, get. he got the, got the info. Yeah, and... Again, the only thing you could have asked for was, did he check b- beforehand? And if the refs get really defensive saying, well, even if he did, we don't have to tell him like, okay, like that happens on every play at every level of football yeah. everywhere. Uh, again, to keep harping on it, but that's where I go back to. But again, for me, it doesn't bother me at all with Andy Reid. I think it just goes to show for somebody who doesn't do that for him to do that. It's not Andy Reid losing his cool. That is him feeling validated and justified in what he's doing and for the first time since he's been in Kansas City I believe um having a stance like that it it's it's Tells telling you it. yeah and it's really easy for national media and a lot of these people just trying to to grab some headlines uh with their hot takes and all that crap they sure found them permeated throughout <laughs> media I woke up to a lot of them this morning but the thing that we've said this entire season and and I know that probably your entire career as you know one play does not define an entire game, right? They could have scored more points. They could have not had all the costly mistakes that they they did, the penalties, the issues, the turnovers. Uh, those were all things that led up to the demise. Yes, the most beautiful play of the game was taken away, but that one play is not the reason that the Chiefs were not in the driver's seat this sure. entire game. There's no reason to believe that Josh Allen, with as well as he was playing, wouldn't have taken them down and scored. And I know the Chiefs defense got some big stops, and we'll get into uh, the rest of the 10 observations, but... Um, yeah, just it's and I agree mainly with it's just sad that this is what a lot of people and we're spending the first half of this show focusing on uh, this kind of stuff. But uh, appreciate everybody who's watching live. Please hit the like and subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on social media. Uh, hit us up with your thoughts, your observations. Uh, let us know how you're feeling, uh, not just about the play, but just about the reaction to the play, uh, especially for Chiefs fans or Chiefs fans. And there's local media that are getting. I'm saying on their high horse, it sounds condescending, but like they're kind of saying, ah, it's embarrassing and they shouldn't act like this and yada, yada, yada. Say people complaining about quiche, cliche, canned answers, all that stuff. Like can't have, can't ask for it both ways. We've been asking, we on this show, we've been saying, man, I wish Patrick Holmes would just say how he felt. And most of it was about his own teammates. Probably a really bad idea. It's coming out against the refs uh, in this kind of way. We'll it doesn't, it. doesn't it. bother me at all. Uh, it just shows that they care. Um, the professionalism stuff, like mm. they weren't disrespectful uh, across the lines personally towards anyone, uh, which is the only time that I would yeah. stand up and disagree. Sideline was heated, though. And I, Tucker, I think you actually tweeted this out. Good. Like, I'm glad it's heated. It needs to be heated. They need to... The, maybe this is the... The last straw. I don't know. This is what they need to be able to figure things out and come together as a team. They've been in situations of adversity before. They figured things out. Maybe this was the last straw for them, and they got heated enough to really figure out the answers that they need. For sure. Maybe they just need a cookie. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) If you need a cookie, let me know. I made a really good batch. So if you need a cookie out there, they just got a cookie. I got about twelve left. Probably six by noon. All right, let's move on. Number three, that was a long number two. We'll do number three and then we'll take a quick break. Okay. And that was just uh, the mistakes. Um, yeah. And you, you were just kind of talking about it, that 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 one play isn't the reason that they lost the game. Uh, it was obviously the offsides. There were drops. 
Uh, the fumble for Rasheed Rice came in a bad time, um, although it was nice to see him get the ball on the very next offensive play. Um, the Chiefs had, they got the ball right back to him, but false starts um, on both sides. Jawan Taylor getting called again. Coach Jones got called for one. Uh, MVS got called one for one early in the game, like a third and six or third and seven. They made it a third and 12, uh, something like that. Those are the types of mistakes. And we saw some coverage mistakes uh, from the linebackers that, you know, Tucker made the point that linebackers seem to be getting picked on in this game. James Cook early in the game was torching uh, the Chiefs. So he beat Willie Gay a couple of times. Uh, I mean, Nick Bolton on one, but at the same time, you got to give credit to the other guys. But um, yeah, you're not going to do a lot with the two turnovers. The one interception early. Uh, just kind of one of those freak plays. Yeah. Um, like anyone's really at fault there. Officiating has been very inconsistent, but the Chiefs have definitely been consistent with their penalties. <laughs> Seven penalties, two turnovers, another double-digit start to kick things off. And and if this was last season, we'd be like, Meh, down 10, down 14, whatever, 13 seconds, they got it. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not, that, it's not this season. You know, it's not the team this year. And that's okay. We'll find different ways to win, but... Another slow start. They've shown that that's not really the way that they can get things done this season. Yep. they got to figure out a way to start hot. Yeah, the Jalen Watson one was the killer. That one was tough. Um, and while we're talking about mistakes, and I know they won the game, and I was talking about this with the, the guy behind me. We had really good seats uh, for this game. I was talking about the guy behind me. Um, I'll talk about that. Before. We'll just have some thoughts from sitting behind the bench and kind of seeing some stuff on the sideline. But I thought the bill, and I don't know if they talked about this on the broadcast at all. That's where it's tough. I thought the clock management by the Bills at the end of the game from a play calling standpoint was abysmal because they had the ball with like three minutes to go in field goal range, had like four plays and the penalty and somehow it was still like at the two minute warning. Like I don't have the numbers in front of me, I should have gone through it, but like it just felt like if the Bronk or if the Bills really wanted to just run the clock out, kick a field goal and win the game, they could have handled that so much better, but they kept throwing the ball down they tried the the tunnel screen a little slip screen thing with uh stefan diggs where he dropped the ball they tried another one yeah. kincaid down the sideline where he dropped the ball and the whole time i'm like what are they doing like why don't they just run the football uh, we only had two timeouts left and with the way the chiefs offense was playing mm-hmm. outside of i guess the one with the Kadarius tony play they weren't getting a lot of chunk plays it was going to take a while for them to methodically move the ball down the field uh so it was just really surprising to me that the chiefs had any opportunity uh, or as much time as they did to go down and score. I thought the Bills were pretty bad in that situation uh, at the end of the game, but um, you know their mistakes didn't come back to haunt them, um, and the Chiefs did. And uh, that's a lot of the the negative stuff uh, that we're getting through right now, so we're going to take a quick break and come back with a little bit of the positive for anybody who wants to hear that, and I'm sure it'll lead back to some negative, but uh, we'll be right back after this. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? This is Tucker Franklin from KC Sports Network. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure to follow us and subscribe for more Chiefs content wherever you get your podcast. If you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. The holiday season can be a very busy time, and it can also be a time of giving to your family or to your community. It can also be a time of a little bit of extra added stress possibly to your life, whether it's from holiday travel, financial stress, or from being around your family that can add extra stress to your life. You might be extra focused on giving to your family or to your community and maybe losing a little bit of giving to yourself. 
The holidays are always a great time to give to others, but sometimes it might be better to sometimes focus on yourself as well. So whether that's by starting therapy or going easy on yourself during tough moments, or maybe treating yourself to a day of rest, remember to give yourself some extra love during this holiday season. Therapy can be a great way to give yourself that extra love. It can make you feel grounded. It can help you remove some extra stress, maybe from your life, or help release burdens that you might have. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com KCSN today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com KCSN for 10% off your first month. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to 10 Things here on KC Sports Network. BJ Kissel hanging out with Haley Lewis. Haley. We just spent a lot of time talking about yeah. the mistakes, the complaining to the refs, the complaining about the refs, the media stuff, and the Chiefs are still leading the division. Can I say one more bad thing? <laughs> and it's not really about the Chiefs so much as it is. I was looking for hot cocoa the entire game, mm. and I didn't realize that at Arrowhead Stadium, they stopped selling things around the fourth quarter. Like, that's when they start slowing down. Like, they close down the alcohol. They that's Or you wanted, like, spiked hot No, I just wanted hot cocoa. Your girl just wanted hot cocoa, regular hot cocoa. That's what I was drinking when we were at the tailgate. And I hot was... cocoa with little five farms, little Ben Holiday bourbon concoction. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> I was like, by the end of this thing, just trying to find some damn hot cocoa. Yeah. And I couldn't find it. And that's and when you were just talking about the time management when the Bills had the ball. I have no clue what you're talking about because I was on my hot cocoa quest. And that's all I have to say. I wish that they sold hot, like Arrowhead, sell hot cocoa until the final whistle Haley needs her hot cocoa that was the most disappointing my, part my daughter called for warm me. hot cocoa so i'm surprised i didn't say that <laughs> and realize that's not a normal thing to say but warm hot cocoa is what she calls it um i like that okay into the positive i'm done but positive i'll shout out uh shout out lot j um in the tailgate yeah, that we were at hanging out we it was the longest and the most tailgating i'd done in a long time we got out there like 11 drove right up there was no 
We did not stop at all from the moment like we got off 435 right into the tail, like went right up to the window, <laughs> gave like went right in and parked. Like it was the smoothest getting in out, same yeah. that it always is. Uh, but coming in, very smooth. But uh, shout out Batchelder Family Farms and the mm-hmm. bison uh, meat that they brought out. We had bison dogs, had bison burgers. It was phenomenal. So shout out to Brad um, and all the folks over there and Nate, everybody at Lot J had a great time. And we had plenty of 360 vodka. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> your wife pours a stiff drink. <laughs> she pours a stiff drink. Oh my God. She's, she's like, out a, a bartender. I'm like, <laughs> she's like, this is fun. You can small talk with people and. Yeah, so, uh, and they, they set up that tailgate. I don't know if my wife's going to be bartending every time, but uh, we had a good old time over there. Did you see the guy, uh, it was actually a Chiefs fan, not a Bills fan, uh, jump off of the, mm-hmm. yeah, onto the table? I couldn't figure out what he was doing up there, and then we finally clicked, and I'm like, I don't need to see this. I don't like, need to watch a guy break his... You hope you have health insurance, buddy, before yeah. I jump off. Reports say he's fine. Yeah. He'll walk into this day, so. Correct. We didn't serve that guy. So. No, no, he was not part of our circle. <laughs> But uh, but shout out to Tailgate and anybody that goes to a home Chiefs game. Go to Lot J. Go to Lot J, hang out with the crew. Uh, always a good time up there. But again, let's get back to more of the positive. And that's mm-hmm. the Chiefs still lead the division. Uh, we talked about they've got five losses. Four of those are by one possession. Uh, I got this uh, email from the NFL that said uh, 10 of the 12 games at that time when the email got sent out had been within one score in the fourth quarter. So 10 of 12, not just Chiefs, but like games across the NFL. Oh, oh I see. Okay. We're about like parity and like trying to make all the games competitive. Like they're all, cl- for the most part, they're all close. Um, they're all good. And that makes me feel a little bit better when you go back and look. And the only game the Chiefs have lost by more than one possession was a Denver game. Uh, just bad. But, and the Denver's the one team that's kind of catching up to them uh, behind. And I looked up Denver's schedule because uh, Denver is at 7-6. Uh, Chiefs at eight and five. Uh, Denver's remaining schedule. They've got a Saturday game uh, coming up. Against yeah, that this, surprises me. On the road against the Detroit Lions, and then they've got the Patriots. Okay. Uh, and then the Chargers and the Raiders, and so those are the four remaining games that the Broncos have, while the Chiefs have the Patriots. It was supposed to be on Monday, got flexed back because the Bronco or the Patriots are terrible. And then they've got the Raiders, Bengals, and Chargers. That mm-hmm. Bengals game, I think a lot of people thought that they were going to kind of roll over. Jake Browning's been really good for them. So that game may be a little tougher uh, than we thought when Joe Burrow went down. And Herbert's, is he hurt? Am I seeing that? Like, was that on, I think on social media today, I saw, okay, talk, please fill in. I saw some someone tweet something out about Herbert. He had a fractured finger, I believe, in that game. I, okay. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but he is going to be out for an extended period of time. Okay, we'll see if he plays. Okay. But, again, this season, another more from the NFL, this season, 72% of all games have been within one score eight points in the fourth quarter. It's pretty impressive. Uh, basically, three out of every four games uh, are within one score in the fourth quarter. So shout out to Scott Hansen and Red Zone uh, in the witching hour. Is that what they call it? Witching hour? Yep. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the playoff picture now that everything's... You know, you said, you said the Broncos are the only team that's really catching up in the division. Well, when you look at the conference, when you look at the whole... The only teams that really scare there's, there's one team that I think is just this is their year to win the Super Bowl, and that's the 49ers. Okay. I just feel like that's the team that's the most complete team right now. They're playing the best. That defense, that defensive line is stupid good. Okay. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, that offensive line, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. I mean, they've got weapons mm-hmm. everywhere, and the fact that Brock Purdy's playing the way that he has has changed everything for that team. Yeah. And so between them, Dallas, and then Philly. Like, those are the teams that are really scary. And maybe Miami or Baltimore 
Yeah, uh, would be the ones. Too. Baltimore would be the other team, but we played Miami. We played well. Uh, we've seen Lamar Jackson absolutely go off in the regular season. We've seen this before. Can he step up and make four big time throws on third and eight in a playoff game? That's what we don't know. And now they have Zay Flowers. I just said that, man. Chiefs had gotten No, oh, I thought you meant to say some fantasy thing. I was like, what's that? No, no, I was just thinking about Zay Flowers. Uh, that was our guy. But um, yeah, I nothing scares me because the Chiefs aren't getting blown out. It's not what we expected. It's not what, you know, the Chiefs and Chiefs aren't the, the top team right now. Yeah. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that they still can't go win the Super Bowl. The margin of error is just a little bit different. Yeah. And whether it's the play calling, all that stuff, Chiefs take away five or six plays in the game yesterday is what made the difference. Yeah. Josh Allen making a crazy play, like 0.2 yards from the sideline uh, is what Next Gen Stats said uh, as far as that throw that he made that we all thought was incomplete yeah. um, to, I believe it was Latavius Murray. Um, but he made the big crazy play and there wasn't a flag throw. Nobody was offsides on that one. And the Chiefs didn't make those plays, but it's still just a handful of plays. As frustrating as this is, as much as we all want to complain, in the past, the Chiefs had won more of these games that are close. They had overcame that margin of error and they could, uh, but they're just not doing it right now. There's a lot of different reasons for it. Actually, I want to read this real fast because I saw this on Facebook earlier from um, buddy Matt Miller. Uh, shout out ESPN Draft Analyst. He put this on Facebook. Uh, it's too long for the Twitter uh, or X, excuse me. Uh, but I, I couldn't agree with this whole thing more. Um, so Matt said, the Chiefs aren't losing because of the refs. The Chiefs aren't losing because of Taylor Swift. Side story. We were sitting like in the section below where Taylor Swift was. Oh, really? So people are complaining about like, oh, they're talking about Taylor Swift. I'm not kidding when I say 85% of the people in our section, mm -hmm. every time Travis Kelsey would make a play, turned and looked up or to see her reaction. It was nuts how many yeah, people were real. looking up that way. Like Megan was the whole time. She's like, oh my God, I see her. We're in the same, like it's In front thing. of us, there were oh. Bill's people taking screenshots of all the suites and then zooming in on all of them just to find her. <laughs> Go on. I'm curious if like the seats right below there start going for like I can't imagine. Stupid I'm, I mean, they sh they should really capitalize they, on it. Might as well. Should. All right. Rest of this post. Uh, the Chiefs are losing because of dumb penalties, drop passes, missed assignments, and the reality of a salary capped NFL. The Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl last year without the draft picks and money from trading Tyree Kill. But this season is the other side of that coin: drafting and developing wide receivers to replace him. Can't win every year. No one does. 2023 is about reloading the team for a healthy long-term future with cap health and young playmakers. Last year, the team overachieved. This year, they're underachieving. Pointing fingers at anyone other than the professionals who continually cost Casey the game is quite simply, simply ignorant. Be mad at Kadarius Tony for not lining up on sides. Be mad at Jawan Taylor for false starts. And be mad at MVS for drop issues. I think that's as simple as it gets. But at the same time, they are not getting blown out. They are in these games and they've already proven to beat one of the two teams most likely would have to beat in the playoffs to go somewhere as the most difficult matchup. Everybody else is just make the plays and you can do it. Yeah. And so it doesn't mean they can't. It's just going to be different. And that's okay. This is from Sports Illustrated. This is kind of how, how it's going to be different to add on to that. With the loss, the Chiefs have now dropped four of their last six games after starting the season with a 6-1 and one record. On top of that... The Denver Broncos win over Los Angeles Chargers, or LA Chargers, I don't know why I said it that way, puts them one game out of time for the AFC West lead, which is what you just alluded to. It doesn't mean, they're, they're not in the driver's seat anymore. They're going to have to win, you know, the, the 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 next, well, technically, what would it be? They just need to win one more to technically lock up 
Is that division? what it is? The division? No, they'd have to win. Or do they have to? Three, like their Broncos only one game back. Now because they they're split. back. Uh, I don't know what the second tiebreaker would be. You beat division record, and they both okay. have two. And I put you on the spot left. there. My my bad. No, they but... both have a bunch of division games left. So I'm definitely going to be a, a Lions fan, and I'm annoyed <laughs> that we're going to have to start paying attention to this. But you know. You make mistakes, and this is how most NFL teams are. But kind of spoiled a lot. That was to my point. We're going to have to pay attention now. These are the things that we don't usually really look at too much because we don't have to. And when I say we, I mean Chiefs Kingdom, right? That's been the luxury. And I think acknowledging that is a good point. Yeah. No, I... I, Doesn't mean... (laughs) It's just going to be different. It's just just going to be different. Uh, They still have the pieces in place. Uh, And the one thing that I put in here that's a little different on these 10 observations and, you know... Because we we had really good seats yesterday, I was able to sit behind the bench a little bit and be able to see. I couldn't hear necessarily everything that was going on unless it got really quiet, which it rarely is in Arrowhead. <laughs> um, but a couple of things that stood out to me uh, just from watching kind of the way the players interacted on the sidelines. Uh, Travis Kelsey is every bit the leader of this team that he has been portrayed to be. Um, and not that everyone has to be a rah-rah guy and go around and get their teammates fired up. But when the team is looking awful, uh, and they couldn't move the ball, and they were down 14 nothing. Kelsey was going up and getting everybody filed up, keeping fired up, keeping everybody engaged, and this stuff stands out, um, and that's what you need a leader to do. And a lot of guys met, might not need to hear it, might not make a difference to a lot of the players on the sideline, but to some guys it will. And, you know, you need somebody doing that. And Travis Kelsey consistently throughout the game <laughs> was going around and getting guys fired up. So don't not that I've seen a lot of it or I've seen any of it, but like, I don't want to see anything about Travis Kelsey not caring or this or that. Like the dude is engaged with the, with the game and kind of speaking up at a time that's not easy to speak up. Um, side weird one here. Nick Allegretti is so much fun to watch on the sideline. Cause that dude, he's a talk about like an energy giver. He is fun. Yeah. He's firing up Joe Tooney. He was getting him ready for the game. He's going around just, you know, supporting his teammates. Uh, so it was really fun to watch Nick Allegretti. McCole Hardman. I uh, was the first one to walk up to Kadarius Tony after his drop. Um, not the end, but after his drop, he was over and you could kind of tell him, just kind of calm him down um, and just kind of being in their form, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, and then Alan Wright, the Chiefs uh, Vice President of Equipment or Director of, I don't know what his title is, but Alan, uh, the legend who's been there forever. Uh, when Clyde Edwards-Alaire's pants ripped, uh, I'd immediately look out the sidelines, see Alan just be like bolt for the locker room. He had a huge la- like he was laughing. Was- I don't know if they've had to do that in that moment because they're in the middle of an offensive yeah, drive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he got his pants and I don't think it was more that... <laughs> excuse me, a few minutes before he's back out there with a brand new pair of pants. Uh, I don't know if he had to run all the way to the locker room, but... Me in his pants. That was... He had a, a lot of... Like, that was a huge rip. It was. Uh, off, like, a one play. I don't know if it was kind of building up and then just got uh, completely also, right. Like, the is, like, stacked. You know what I mean? Like, he's got thick <laughs> thighs. Quads are popping out. <laughs> like, so that's just the, just the seams no longer there. Uh, did you know Nick Allegretti is an avid coin collector? I did not. Okay, I randomly found that out because of a story we did like years ago. And the dude like collects rare coins and has them all in those, you know, like when you would travel the U.S. and put them all in little, like, what am I trying to say? The little booklets that you can put them all in. Sure. Anyways, that's the kind of guy he is. He's such an interesting dude. But like, that's your offensive, like, that's so O-line. But I just think back to, and he's not on the team anymore, but Andrew Wiley and like yeah. uh, Pokemon cards and just yeah. like, ripping yeah. packs all the time. <laughs> him and Allegretti. It's been a really interesting conversation. You would have swapped this coin. <laughs> um, but yeah, like those are some of the things, some of the other things that stood out to me. I, I, but they're guys, guys, you know, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're I, team, team players. And then seeing Mahomes just get absolutely fired up. That was um, why I liked it. Was, was something. And then you could just watch the guys. And there's other, 
takeaways that if they got caught on camera or in in different contexts could probably be brought up of guys kind of yelling at each other yeah you kind of see that stuff but that's how a lot of them talk to each other um on the sideline so i don't want to make a bigger deal about that kind of stuff without more context but uh, it did stand out to me that travis kelsey just again being every bit the leader that that we thought he would uh you were talking about your seats from the sideline it's not a really good segue, but I just think it's a good point I, to notice the guys who were sidelined going into this game. Yep. You know, they ruled four out before we even got the whole list of inactives on Sunday. Isaiah Pacheco, Donovan Smith, Drew Tranquil, Brian Cook. I'm in no way am I saying that that is why the Chiefs lost the game. But those are some key players for this team, especially when you look at Pacheco, what he's been able to do. Also, this was Nick Bolton's first game back coming off the IR. Not yeah. to say that he was rusty at all, but he had no one else to fall back on, per se, or or, or maybe a veteran to fall back on is the better way to say that. Um, and then losing Brian Cook in the secondary is obviously a hit. But yeah, they're, they, they're not 100% of health right now, too. So I think that factors in, and you got to look at that, too. I think it was a perfect storm, and I know that... Uh, that yep, there you go. It Nick Bolton coming back. His strength isn't necessarily covering out in space, and we know that. That was Drew Tranquil's. He wasn't in this game. Right. And combine that with the fact that since uh, I think it was Brady um, started calling the plays, I saw a tweet about this, that since Brady started calling the plays for Buffalo, that mm-hmm. James Cook had been targeted 35% of the time by Josh Allen. So you have a strength of this is what they've been leaning in on that perfectly fits with an area that the Chiefs, you want to attack. Not that it's necessarily a weakness per se, but you got to figure out areas to attack. They don't just call plays and say, throw to whoever's open. They game plan to attack certain things and attacking a player that hadn't been there for a long time and hadn't been known for being great in coverage. Coverage guy isn't there. Willie Gay, I don't know the defensive coverages, but I know a couple of different times you look at everybody's in man coverage. He comes up, pushes the running back, Running back runs behind him, scores a touchdown. Again, I don't know the coverages. I don't know what's being called. It looks like that was on him. Yeah. But again, sometimes you got to give credit to the other people. They're on scholarship too. The old <laughs> saying is stead. Um, but but yeah, I think you know Brian Cook being out could hurt because he's a starter. But I thought Shamari Connor obviously had the biggest play of the game, and I thought oh, yeah. she's come back to win that game. That was going to be the turning point of his interception. You Josh Allen, as good as he is as good as he was, and that was a great game for him, still going to give you a few opportunities to make plays just from the way that he plays. Uh, I thought the biggest play that didn't happen was in Bolton Blitz and Josh at the very end of the game, and Josh Allen holding the ball with one hand. It's like, if you just go after his right arm, he's going to fumble it. Uh, that would have been the biggest play of the game. That's the one where it was like, oh, that was... Fr- I'm frustrated thinking about that play right there. You need a cookie. I do need a cookie. Yeah. I mean, everybody needs a cookie. But, yeah, I... Again, it's four or five plays every game. It just seems like I mean, the Chiefs have lost four of six. And besides the Denver game, was probably a little bit more than that. Uh, they, they're right there. They just they got to get past it. And again, there's no team in the AFC that scares me. Even with this version of the Chiefs team, I'm not scared to go play Baltimore. I'm not scared to go on the road and play in a playoff game that people are making a big deal about. Um, it's the only team that really scares me that if they don't play well, they're going to get smoked is San Francisco, for me personally. That's the one team, and you do that in the Super Bowl. And then you're in the freaking Super Bowl. And then anything can happen. You get stomped in the Super Bowl, you just say, okay, it's the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Still I, made it. I tell you, I was like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. There's, again, nobody in the AFC that uh, scares me, but that's not to say if they come out and play and make kind of mistakes that we've seen over the last few weeks that they won't get bounced in the wild card round. Um, 
So, what do you do? But shout out to the defense. I was going to say, you want to want to spin it off to some positive? Yeah, I just, again, late in the game, we saw it uh, in the weeks before that when the defense needed to get a stop late in the game, they had their backs against the wall a little bit. Uh, they made stops, and that was coming from, but from a field position standpoint, Tommy Townsend didn't help a whole lot. You know, he had the one good punt, and the rest of them were, I think he had a net average of like 40, or his punting average was 40 yards, uh, which isn't great. Um, it's one thing if it's, you know, just pinning guys deep. He had the one mm-hmm. uh, where he pinned him. Um, but a couple of times where he could have got a good punt off and really flipped some field position, it was the opposite. It was low, didn't turn over at all, and was able to to get a pretty good return uh, and give Buffalo really good field position. But even on one of those, defense stepped up and yeah. and, and made a stop and gave the offense a chance, and that's all you can ask for. You know what I heard, which was uh, kind of shocking, was when I was in, wow, I was grammatically horrid. Let me get to the point. When I was in the stands, someone behind me was screaming as the defense came onto the field. I can't remember if it was after a turnover, whatever issue. Maybe the Chiefs went three and out and the defense comes on the field. That's okay. The defense still get it done. Like, our defense will get it done. I was like, who? Like, oh, our, oh, the Chiefs? Like, that's that's still a new phrase to me. That's okay. The defense is coming on. They'll get it done. They'll get the Chiefs be- another opportunity. They were so good. And then once you start to expect it, and then they start struggling a little bit. But... But did I get to hear thoughts. that is what I'm saying. I just love to hear that. We talk, talk about the injuries that they had on that side of the ball. Nick Bolton coming back. Drew Trank yeah. coming out. Brian Cook being out. They give up 20 points to a Buffalo team that this was the better version of Buffalo outside of Stephon Diggs. Also, Justin uh, Reed was banged up in this one too. Yeah. Jalen Watson went down at one time. I mean, there was some... It was... Jalen Watson went down right after. And I'm a shout out Chiefs fan. Like, this is one of those like weird points. Jalen Watson gets called for an awful penalty at like the worst time. All of his teammates are reacting like it was a horrible time for his penalty. And it was a penalty. He hugged him. He didn't, I don't think it impeded his progress a lot. Ask for consent first. But you can't do that. Do that. You can't do that. Um, I think you should leave. Um, But (laughs) Tucker understands maybe like seven people watching. Um, But oh, I know that. Okay, I'm with you. I'm here. Um, yeah, I just, it, those penalties and the way the defense played, uh, with those guys being out yeah. was impressive. And it brings us to our next point. And Legereus Sneed, uh, saw us via next gen stats that Legereus Sneed aligned across from Stefan Diggs on 23 of his 35 routes, which was 65.7% of the time, limiting him to just one reception for three yards on five targets, including four tight windows. Sneed has played shadow coverage. He's over 65% of routes uh, on one receiver six times this season, the most in the NFL. Thought, yeah, he gets a lot of penalties and a lot of playing and physicality type things. Um, It's a good player. If it happens at a time that's not huge and the defense doesn't make a huge play and then it gets called, probably forget about it. And then if it happens like when it did to Jalen Watson, then it's a bigger deal. But I thought Sneed played well and I thought Stephon Diggs played awful. Um, for a all pro type receiver, when he dropped, he dropped two or three, I was like, really, God, they have issues too. <laughs> I kept thinking, like, awesome. I'm just hoping one of them was behind Even the line Stephon of scrimmage. Diggs does, and they could get a fumble or something. Um, but yeah, let's move on. We talked about him a second ago. Moving on, uh, Shamari Connor, uh, his first uh, yeah. career interception is pretty impressive pretty. on a timing because I think it was Dave Tobe uh, that spoke about Connor this week and said he's going to be. Like a star, I'm assuming talking specifically about special teams, mm-hmm. but uh, for him to come through and get the interception the way that he did, and just being in the spot and catching the ball that was thrown right to him, yeah, uh, it couldn't have come at a better time. And I feel like if the Chiefs had won that game, 
we would have been talking obviously about the Kelsey lateral and the one of the greatest plays we would have seen in his Hall of Fame career, but we would be talking about Shamari Connor. Yeah, Virginia Tech guy, fourth rounder coming out of the draft this year, and you know when you it, it, they constantly talk about this, and it's one of those cliches that coaches always say at the podium. But next man up, when your opportunity comes, and he was in an opportunity where you said the ball came right to him, but hey, he caught it. He was there. He he did what he needed to do under pressure and on the NFL stage, gets his first interception of his career. I think that that speaks volumes to, to if you're able to capitalize on those moments, and hopefully we see more out of him. That's yeah, stuff that you want. It's a good sign for things going forward yeah. of um, you know a young defensive back that is versatile. You can line him up, do a lot of different things with him. You blitz him. That was kind of his thing coming out of college. You do a lot of different things with that guy. And for him to to be in there and making impact plays, um, it's exactly what you want to see. And another guy who's been making impact plays. Speaking of impact plays, there you go. Uh, although he had the one. To fair. He had the one. Uh, but Rasheed Rice uh, ties rookie record. Again, these are always great for context. Yeah. Now, Rasheed Rice has tallied six touchdown receptions this season, tying him for the most touchdown catches in a rookie season in Chiefs history. Rice told 72 yards on Sunday on a team high seven receptions with one touchdown, bringing his receiving total to 663 yards. His 663 receiving yards this season also moves him past wide receiver Tyree Kill, who had 593 for the fourth most receiving yards in a season by a rookie in franchise history. And it was the most uh, under Andy Reid yeah. for a rookie wide receiver with the Chiefs. So um, I know I always clarify, he had the one fumble that came in a bad time, but that was he stepped up and made plays and has been one of the dependable guys uh, for Patrick Mahomes, not named Travis Kelsey in the passing game. And again, as things continue to go on, get him more looks, get him more opportunities. Uh, and I know it's not the way the Chiefs necessarily design plays to, to give one guy a bunch of targets. Sure. Um, but you can start to tell that uh, in some moments in the red zone and things like that, Patrick Mahomes trusts him to be in the right spot. And I think what we've seen from him is more positive, more more footwork, more energy, more passion. That's a TikTok. Tucker gets that. But anyways, uh, PFF grades are coming out, so I'm kind of curious to see. I'm, I'm starting to see them drop all over Twitter, and I'm I'm very curious. Are there any ones that, to not to put you on the spot, Tucker, but are any of those standing out to you? No, I was just looking at them, actually. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah, Wanya Morris's grade is awful. Uh, really? For some reason. Yeah, really? he, they gave him a 60 um, in terms of it, uh, uh, Casey Sports Network just tweeted out the uh, the top five, top six actually. Joe Tooney number one with a ninety one. Legere Sneed had a ninety one point seven. Um, Travis Kelsey eighty eight point six. Jamari Connor eighty two point four. Mike Dana eighty two point one. And Patrick Mahomes eighty one point three. Huh. Interesting. That's pretty much nice. yes. There on the show. Um, the one anyone surprises. A little bit, because they didn't yeah. feel like Patrick Mahomes was necessarily under a ton of pressure. Not from that side. Yeah. Darius Steve, though, getting 91.7 out of lines, right, was what we were talking about. Yeah, I don't know. Coverage. Grade. I don't know sometimes how those covered. I don't. Cause he's yeah, getting, I don't either. Getting credit. And I know Willie Gay blew up one of those screen passes that went through that he should get credit for, but you know, if they throw a quick pass to the receiver and he drops it and you just happen to be the closest guy there, I don't know how, that, I don't know how their grades work. Yeah, it said he had, it said that uh, Legarius Dean uh, seven targets and he only allowed one reception for one yard. Um, yeah, the couple of the deep shots that they tried to take, where they tried to sneak him up the seam, yeah, uh, down the sideline. Like Steed was right there in coverage and made great plays. So um, I get it. I, I didn't think he had a bad game by any means, but um, never know. Sometimes with the grade, just a, a part of the 
process. Yeah. Um, one more 60.1 in his first career start, uh, pass blocking of 60.3, run blocking of 55.9. Second week in a row, PFF has graded his run blocking lower than I really would have thought because I think he's a better run blocker than he is a pass blocker. And speaking of just the running end, we talked about Pacheco, and obviously he's earned the start, the starting spot because he's yeah. better than Clyde Zulaire, but I didn't think Clyde played bad. I thought he did, thought a, good job. Job, did a pretty good job what I could um, tell. navigating through a lot of traffic. Um, just kind of has that shifting. It's not going to run away from anybody with that long speed. Um, with all those legs, he's got to take a lot of steps. Let me tell you what he ended up with. 39 yards, 11 attempts, 3.5 is an average. I mean, that's up from what it's been. Derek McKinnon, 19 yards. He got 4.8 average on four carries. Um, yeah. All right. Our 10 in final observation, not really an observation, but it's letting you know that the uh, Soul of KC raffle, um, you know what, actually we can talk about our observations from last Friday going shopping, but uh, letting you know if you're out there listening or watching live or listening to the podcast afterwards, um, the, hol- the Soul of KC holiday raffle, we have more than 20 items um, that are up uh, for a chance to win if you donated and bought raffle tickets for that. Um, we are doing that at the end of the only weird game show uh, later today, which is on Monday. Um, that show generally starts between 4.30 and 4.45 and generally goes for 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Uh, at the end of that show, so sorry, I can't give an exact time. I can't tell Seth, Nate, and Josh exactly uh, how long to talk, especially about <laughs> this one. Although Only Weird Games is the most perfect name of a show. like They absolutely nailed that um, for that show. But at the end of that show, sometime maybe around 5.45-ish, if you want to watch live, it'll be live on Twitter, X, and on YouTube. Um, we have an auto-generator plugging all the, the raffle tickets right now, and we'll pick up all the winners uh, for all those different prizes. You don't have to be watching to win. We'll contact all the winners afterwards. Uh, we'll put a graphic out as well. Joel will, it's our social media, put a graphic out announcing all the winners and we'll ship all the stuff out for the winners as well um, before the end of the week. So uh, we appreciate everybody who donated. Um, Haley, thank you for coming on Friday. Oh We've talked so about before, fun. like how much fun that was. We yeah. have so many people. I think we had like 16, 17 people yeah. with KC Sports Network. Who were there helping shop? So it actually went off. So yeah. just other people who showed up to be a part of it too. Shout out Chris cool. uh, and people that just wanted to be a part of it. My brother-in-law came with my nephew. My yeah. mom was there. Uh, they just wanted to kind of see it and be a part of it. It's the third year we've done it. Um, shout out everybody at Zona Rosa, uh, the Dick Sporting Goods up there. That mm-hmm. staff uh, was fantastic to work with. Um, they were on it uh, and they were very helpful at a time that we du- we dumped like just over $20,000 worth of stuff to them and they got all the tag and like half of it were yeah. clothes that had all those security tags on them. So um, anyway, just wanted to shout out uh, everybody who supported the raffle yeah. uh, and everybody that um, came and, and saw some of the stuff we put out on social. We have a recap video later this week uh, of the shopping trip, but uh, that was a lot of fun. Also, you had a pretty cool moment with what didn't one of the kids get to get his uh, favorite pair of shoes. Yeah. So That's we did pretty it. Cool. We did it last year um, where the kids from Operation Breakthrough came. We go and buy them a pair of shoes at the end of it. And they were wonderful too. They were they so were, helpful. They were so great. Um, and, and Liz, who kind of runs that program, is kind of our point of contact over there. Uh, they're so appreciative of everything and they're awesome people to work with. And uh, we try to make it as easy as possible. That's my favorite part of it is like we really don't like interact with them a like, ton. Yeah. We try to make it to where they 
by nature of what they do are helping people all day, every day. So you want to come in and help. And then you start asking for a bunch of things. I need your help with this and this and this, like how much, like, yeah, you're helping, but like, you're also asking them to do a lot. Uh, we try to take all of that and make it as simple as possible where it's just, Hey, we're doing this. Hey, this is the day we're doing it. You want to come and help us shop, bring the truck. Yeah. We're going to load it up. Uh, and that's by design. Uh, the only thing that wasn't smooth about that was the bank putting a hold on my credit card and how much we could spend. Uh, so I had to be on the phone with them. So they stopped declining the transactions, but uh, we got through that. Um, and yeah, a lot of fun and, and going over and getting a chance. I'm not a sneakerhead. Uh, I don't know anything about shoes or anything like that, but they have new Jordan retros that only come out every few years, I guess, every five years. Um, and uh, he was able to get that. JV was able to get those shoes. So, really you know, he was, he was excited about that and they all were. Uh, Samash came out again and it was just... Uh, it was a really, really, really cool experience. And again, favorite thing that we do here, and that's not lip service, like that stuff is real. Um, sitting here talking about sports and stuff that we can't control. Yeah. Uh, it's fun. Obviously, we're all entertained by it at some level. Uh, or just not entertained, but you somehow keep watching. He's mad all the time. Uh, but it that's the stuff that, that gets, us, gets me going. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, and it was cool to do it in our community, which I think is even better. Absolutely. And we appreciate it. Everybody for watching uh, this first live uh, episode yeah. of 10 Things. Shout out Tucker for producing this thing. And uh, appreciate everybody for listening to the podcast afterwards. We know it's a it's a tough time uh, in Chiefs Kingdom. We're not used to, to losing four of six. But again, they're leading the division. Uh, they can turn it around. We've seen, them, we've seen them do it before. We know it's not been necessarily with this specific group. Um, but I believe Andy Reid, I believe in the, the coaching staff and, and the people that they have to to get things going where they have to change some things or whatever. Um, I believe they can make the four to five, six plays per game difference that have been the difference in at least three of the four losses over the last few weeks. I believe that they can get those corrected and still go represent the AFC in the Super Bowl and then anything can happen. I agree. And now we got Sunday football this week, right? We got flex and Saturday football. Go Lions. Go Lions. Saturday football to watch. Okay. The script is they just want Chiefs fans to, to not feel so... Like they don't have to pay attention to everything else. So grab me up. It's just, <laughs> just going to be a little bit different. Uh, they go out and win that game, and then the Chiefs have a game they absolutely need to win. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to know what this show is going to sound like if they lose to the Patriots. I don't know if I'll be here. Tucker's going to have a, a bottle of Ben Holiday bourbon with a giant straw in it. We'll be having cookies and bourbon at 9 a.m. if that's what happens. But anyway, now we have to do that. All right. Appreciate all of you for watching and, and <laughs> hanging through the end of this show. Appreciate you. We'll see you all. Take care of each other. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.